back to the Ghost Cold Podcast. I'm your host, OJ. This one's a special one. It features our old host, Keefe, interviewing Dave from the mighty Anal Nathrak. As you might have noticed, there was a very dark period in this podcast. But now, thanks to technology, it's back and you finally get to hear some interviews that we never got to share with y'all. Enjoy! And the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in the great Dave Hunt of Anel Nakrat. How are you doing, sir? Hello. Uh, I'm all right, thanks. My brain's completely frazzled because I've been doing some uh, heavy thinking work, <laughs> like not not music stuff. But uh, but yeah, I'm just about holding it together. How are you? Nice. I'm pretty good, as I like to say, for the end of the world. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the end of the world, the I hope it's not the end of the world, but this brand new album, Endarkment, coming out on Metal Blade October 2nd, you could not have possibly known how 2020 was going to unpack. If you would or unfold, you would have a crystal ball and probably play the lottery and run away with a lot of money, go live in a cave, maybe off the grid. But uh, this is kind of the record. Indarkment is really listening to it a few times and prepping to chat with you. This record really is the record for these times. Yeah, it's it's a really strange effect that seems to have happened because we um, we recorded this in February, I think it was maybe even the, the last few days of January, early February, um, and so it was it was pretty much completed at around the time that the the virus really got into its stride. I mean, it existed obviously last year, but most people in the West, like you and I, didn't know about it so much. Um, so yeah, when when the time came for the corona party to really kick off we'd already done the album um and a lot of the ideas and themes and all of that were drawing on things that yeah they'd been happening recently but there's no way we could have predicted what was about to happen next so there was i suppose retrospectively you might say there was a, a significant danger that like within a week of us handing it over to the label the album would suddenly be irrelevant and out of date because something so profound happened to you know basically the whole planet but then this really odd thing seems to have happened that a lot of the ideas that we were having a lot of just some just even just the atmospheres that are in the music and everything a lot of the things we were talking about have been essentially amplified if anything, by the way that the world's gone since, uh, what would it be, late March? Um, so yeah, there's this there's this strange way in which we kind of feel like you know we were we were angry about things that we saw going on in the world and all of that kind of stuff, but then all of a sudden the the way the world changed turned us into like clairvoyants or prophets or something. You know, it, it seems as if we were predicting the future in this really odd way. Um, and then, yeah, then because of the because of the lockdown and and the chaos and organisational chaos that that imposed on everyone, um, it's been quite a long time waiting for the album to come out. Ordinarily, record labels, you know, they like a bit of time to to prepare for a release, but not you know, like seven months would this be, eight months nearly? Um, not usually that long. But what that has allowed us to do, sort of keep pace with changes a little bit um, in things like we made a video for the title track, Endarkenment. Uh, we made a video for that and we were able to put some, you know, some themes that felt a bit more up to date. And and we, a guy at Metal Blade actually put together a lyric video for another of the songs on the album and he was able to include some references to to the the virus and so on in that so we we've we've managed to turn it into a way to try and keep up with the world but yeah this weird this weird sense that kind of we almost feel like we knew what was coming and that came out of nowhere and it's um yeah it's been fascinating actually to see how it's all played out 
Right. You could almost uh, say that all, you know, probably the last 35 years of extreme metal bands have probably wished some kind of plague on us and um, some global. We all sing about global pandemics and now we got one. I hope everybody is happy with their conjurings. So we came along, no one had pulled it off, but we nailed it. <laughs> um, you know, there's also timeless themes that I feel like the band is always championed and i find just in darkenment such a provocative word and such an idea i'd like to have you unpack that a little bit rather than give you my opinion about what i think it means to me what what does it mean to you and what is it supposed if you want to share what is it supposed to mean to us um yeah i mean from my point of view it'd be much easier if you unpacked it and i could just tell you what i thought of what you thought um but yeah it basically is an attempt to to bring together, to sum up, to, to capture a variety of things about the way the world has seemed to us to be going for a while, certainly to me. Um, it, it really probably goes back to, um, as much as anything else, Brexit in the UK. I mean, I know it's not quite such a big deal over there, but I'm sure you've heard the word and, you know, the, the UK separating from, from the EU and that. And there were features of the debates around that. That was that was a big deal over here, you know. But families have fallen out with with each other and stuff like that. It was it was a pretty big deal. Um, and there were features of the of the way that debate was going on that I, d I didn't quite understand to begin with um, until I started to see similar things happening in other places, and I couldn't figure out what it was that seemed to unite these themes happening in other places. Um, and what I came to realise was that it seemed to be basically a turning on its head of the Enlightenment. Um, so, you know, for, for the past few hundred years, society, at least in the Western world, in the UK, the US, most of Europe, you know, all that, um, has has basically been structured around these ideas of objectivity is good, uh, you know, rationality is better than superstition and 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 that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, you know, there's books about this stuff that you could go and read, but that's that's the, the rough idea. And it seemed to be that people were turning away from that. The 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 people on either sides of these really nasty polarized arguments pardon me, weren't, weren't arguing because either of them lacked any information that they were concerned to learn. Because usually, like the Enlightenment way of a disagreement is if you can bring in some information that the other party is not aware of, or if they can do it and, and make you aware of the right piece of information, that the disagreement will be resolved. But that was that was lacking. It didn't matter what information people had. It didn't matter what you, what you said to them. They were just so angry. Um, and they they wanted they just wanted to thump the table and scream in somebody's face. It, it seemed, and so yeah, trying to figure out what it was that made that the case, I, I came onto this idea, this this turning on its head of the Enlightenment, and all of a sudden I started to think that that kind of made sense of what was happening uh, in various different places, different parts of the world, you know. Um, and the ball rolls on from there, really. I mean, I don't want to take up the <laughs> the whole of the time we've got to talk just on the name of the album. But you know, once you once you start down that path and thinking about how the world is going in that way, lots of more lots more stuff opens up. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite something to think about. I think. Absolutely, and I actually I really appreciate that answer, and I'll tell you why. It's because I feel like 
the and we are you know ghost cult is international we started in europe we have a huge uk staff still along with our uk you know us team and i'm in brooklyn but um i feel like the literally whatever this movement is whenever we can trace it back to this anti-intellectualism is literally choking the whole world and is the reason for all the climate change i don't want you know not necessarily political things in either of our countries but literally the idea that it's okay to be dumb and smart people are awful is killing the planet practically and i think it it definitely shines through a little bit in your your album and a few other albums i've heard this year so I'm, i appreciate the sentiment yeah yeah i mean there are various like quotes and things that have appeared in public discourse in all sorts of countries all around the world that basically say oh fuck experts i've had enough of experts you know what and that kind of that kind of thing so yeah and and like i think you hint at there once once you get into this it kind of becomes a bit of a gift that keeps on giving new ways that it applies in the world start to occur to you one after another when you think about it and so on so yeah i mean whether it's whether it's because i was i had a particularly good day when i came up with with the word or if if it's just because the way the world has gone has helped us like i was saying before to seem as if you know to reinforce some of the some of the points um one way or another it's kind of uh, the idea that keeps on giving indeed and then just you know obviously musically at this point you're not going to reinvent the wheel but i do hear like some interesting things i think some of the vocals are the best ever in the band just phenomenal performance on the vocals on a couple of repeat listens like so yeah, literally some of the best all across the gamut of of what extreme vocals can be melodic harsh screams other things uh and it really matches the music perfectly um i don't know if that's just kind of a product of many years of honing your your weapons but it, it's fantastic oh that's very kind of you thank you <laughs> um yeah i mean if we were going to do something that if we were going to record a, a neo folk album or something like that we just wouldn't call ourselves an anathrak to do it it's not you know it's not that we might not ever think of doing other music but we would just use a different name so yeah if we're going to put the name Anal Nathrak on it um then it's not going to be something that's a, a complete betrayal of, of people out there who might be looking forward to uh to a, an Anal Nathrak album that's got more typical elements of our albums on it but yeah the, there are there are bits of progression the new sounds and uh and yeah without wanting to blow my own trumpet i am quite proud of, of how some of the singing came out and stuff I'd, i'm i'm it would be ridiculous if i were to say to someone such as you in a context such as this if, if i were to say anything other than i think the album's great i mean I've, I've said that in numerous interviews before if you don't think it's the best thing you've done you haven't finished it um but at the same time we have found ourselves saying privately this is actually really fucking good you know <laughs> um and yeah we should be saying that but we've, we've got this feeling that's you know it, it is a really strong album and it's got qualities and depth to it that that you don't hear in albums every day so so we're really proud of it we're, we're really happy nice and then just, you know, I'm always curious about the creative process. I don't think this is a thing I asked in our previous interview years ago. Just at this stage of your careers, do you guys just write constantly or just as you need to? Oh, we have a record coming up. Let's start working on material. Or do you are you just creating all the time because this is what you do? Um, yeah, in a weird parallel of the way that everything in the world seems so polarized. Um, we're sort of both extremes of that at the same time almost. Um, so. 
so when when I'm when I'm coming up with with ideas for the lyrics and and you know that kind of thing, that's something that I'm doing all the time. I always have. I mean, it's on my phone, and I've always got my phone with me because I'm alive in the 21st century. That's what we do. I'd, I always keep a list of of things that I've heard or come up with, or you know, references, whatever it is. All the all the material that goes into it, um, I keep a, a list of that. And then when we come to record, I basically just wheel out the list <laughs> um, and go through it and you know pick out the bits that resonate most with the music I'm hearing but on the music side um, which is Mick my partner in, in Anal Nathrak he is basically 100% responsible for the for the music in the same way that I am for the lyrics and he writes in an incredibly intense creative burst sometimes that's because we know that it's time to record something but th- th- that's not it's not so much that usually it's more um he just eventually has a sort of a feeling right it's time now and he gets to work um so it's not so much deadline driven but it is you know, it, it is. It happens at the right time, and the speed at which he he puts music together once it happens is frankly absurd. I mean, this whole album, the music was written in less than a week, from no songs to all of them, and I don't know how that happens basically he's he's, uh, he's a, a bit of a genius at, at what he does Mick is and of course when he does it he's drawing as we both are when we do what we do he's drawing on you know 20 years of experience or whatever it is so it's it's not necessarily inhuman <laughs> what he does but it is it is quite astonishing and then when we record usually I haven't heard the the music at all before that whereas this time around it was slightly more spaced out I would hear a song like the day before I recorded the singing and it's very much a matter of responding to the music. You know, I've got all these ideas and everything, but I wrap them around the music in a quite um, spontaneous way and, and try to respond to the music in a, a gut feeling sort of a way. Because I think, hopefully, um, I think that sort of comes through when you're then listening to it. I think it feels more immediate and urgent and everything because that's how it was when, when it was when it was recorded. So, so yeah, we're weirdly... At either end of the spectrum of, of um, kind of d- d- immediately acting on the deadline and doing it every day, and it's not an approach that many other people take. Possibly because they couldn't, but more likely because it wouldn't work. <laughs> it's not a very good approach unless it just so happens that you're the two people who work best that way, um, which is us. So yeah, it's weird, but. That's just the way we do it. That's actually really uh, amazing, and I love that you mentioned the the immediacy of it and the urgency. It's very punk rock, and I guess there's no opportunity to second guess or think too long about things or be overwrought. You just go for it. I think that's really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there has to be this kind of instinctive aspect to music, I think, because um, it's not the way everyone works. I mean, some people, some bands, certainly music more generally, you know, composers and things like that, they they can spend years worrying over a manuscript or whatever. But yeah, we, we have a, a quite strong streak of that, that punk rock kind of thing. I mean, we're not a punk band, but, you know, we, we had some of our formative years listening to some of the extreme end of punk and everything and I think that some of that spirit is, is still with us. There are many great lyrics on this album but I'm going to single out my favorite track and some of my favorite lyrics which is the, the song Create Art Though the World May Perish very well be a battle cry for the future of this world and really kind of to me sums up the whole band in a way because I feel like you have like that's been the, the mode of the band since I first heard you. It's, it's a pretty uh, amazing track. 
Cool. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost kind of ironic where that phrase comes from because I, I was reading um, a, a piece of a piece of writing um, on the internet that that really seems like it shouldn't shouldn't really be the kind of thing that extreme metal is is written about is this like cultural theorist from from the fairly early 20th century um called Walter Benjamin and he wrote this essay that's about how art can exist in an object if that object has been mechanically reproduced as a copy of a more conventional piece of art. So, I mean, this is really quite rarefied, you know, slightly out there stuff, but um, in the manner of, of people like him who were just stratospherically clever and were talking about many things at once, um, he was actually kind of using that as a way of, of talking about what he thought about the world. So at the, towards the end of this essay, um, he uses a Latin phrase, fiat ars pereat mundus, uh, which means make art. Uh, though the world may perish. Um, and when I read that phrase, I just thought, ooh. <laughs> I mean, that, that list that I was talking about, that, that I keep, that went straight on the list. And yeah, he, he Benjamin actually talks about that phrase being um, like a, a call from fascists. And that's not something that we would want to amplify. You know, we 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 try not to be too overtly political, other than being basically misanthropic and kind of satirical about everything. But but we're certainly not fascists. So that was a, a, an interesting wrinkle in it. And I'm not sure about the point that he was making there. To be perfectly honest, I'd, I'd need to read it more carefully and maybe talk to somebody who actually understood what he was going on about. Um, but it was very resonant to me this idea that fascism could be carried through this kind of create art where the world may perish and I just wanted to sort of think about that a little bit um, and so the the idea that the lyrics took is the way that certain words and phrases and things like that can mean very different things in very different contexts um, in a similar way to the way Benjamin was talking about different things and he appeared to be saying maybe and so the lyrics to that song have um, a, a degree of repetition certainly in the chorus um, but the chorus is in a different context because of the verse that goes before it in each case. Um, and it's it, it kind of alternates between something that sounds really positive and like a clarion call and, you know, we can do this. And it gets turned into something that's that's quite unpleasant, I think. Um, that's saying basically the likes of you and me, the world isn't for us, just do as you're fucking told. And you can say that with the same words. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought that was a really weird, interesting idea. So, yeah, it, it's, it plays around with a few of those sorts of ideas. I don't think anybody who has ever listened to this band would mistake you guys for, if anything, anti-fascist, not fascist. Just, so just for... Side, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. And if and if not, and they were at all confused, feeding the death machine or thus always to tyrants would probably clear that the fuck right up for anybody. That's just the new record and not the whole history of the band. But I did want to ask a quick question about the history of the band. You know, I I don't know if you're the nostalgic type. I'm guessing perhaps not. But 21 years as a band, 21 years since the first demo many changes in the music world in your world since the beginning of the band uh do you ever reflect on the early days of the band and you know nine this is the ninth eighth or ninth full length do you ever like take a second to look back at the arc of the whole history of the band 
No. There you go. <laughs> there's, a, there's the answer. No, we um, no, we tend not to do that kind of thing. I mean, the, it it was particularly a, a question around the last album we did because at that time we'd been going for I think twenty years or thereabouts, and I think I don't know. I think the I think this might be our eleventh. So the last one was our tenth album, or someone said something like that. Anyway, you, the fact that I don't even know for a fact which it is kind of answers the question for you um now we we've always been more interested in in what we're doing and what we're doing next and you know what maybe we could do if things went down a certain road and all of that kind of stuff that's not to say that we disown the early stuff i mean because you do get bands that that come along that do that you know they change a lot and don't really want anything to do with what they what they did in the years before um and we we don't particularly feel that way, you know. We'll, we'll still throw songs from our first album into our live set and, and things like that, but we're not nostalgic about it, you know. Someone someone suggested to me the other day that it was X number of years since X album came out. Can't remember which. Um, and would we consider uh, re-recording it or doing shows playing all the songs off that or something like that? And nah, that's that's not interesting to us. We've written all these new songs that we're excited about, and we want to we want to we want to play live, and, and we want to you know do new stuff after that. And and the world is a different place than it was back then. We've got different cares and concerns and motivations, and and simply to dwell on the past just doesn't really suit us. So not forgetting it, not disowning it, but but at the same time, not focusing exclusively on the past either. Right on. And that's probably also makes a lot of sense. The journey of the artist is usually some form of, you know, not being too wistful. Just for a, just for a final question, obviously, I, I sincerely hope you and your mates and your family and everybody associated with your band are well. And, uh, you know, not been succumb to viruses or riot police gassing people for speaking their mind and exercising their rights. But I wanted to know during this weird time, what have you been doing outside of music, which you made very quickly for this record? What have you been doing? Any interesting books you're reading? Anything you're keeping up with? A hobby or anything that's just occupying your time? I'm curious to know. Uh, yeah, well, um, at virtually the same time as as recording this album um i had uh, uh viva they call it um it's like a, a two and a half hour oral exam at the end of doing a phd yeah so i did that on i think the 9th of march so <laughs> virtually the same time as we were handing the album over to the record label and then since the lockdown i've basically been trying to recover from, <laughs> from having done that because it's uh that's it's, it's a pretty difficult thing to do and then more recently i've i've kind of gone back to it to to maybe try and get a thing or two uh, public, like a journal article or something published. Yeah, other than that, really boring, mundane stuff. Because what else are you going to do during a lockdown? I mean, everyone went into lockdown going, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn a new." language i'm going to read all those books that i was going to get around to one day i'm going to do i'm going to paint a masterpiece and no one maybe some people have but no no one's really done any of that stuff we've all, we've all sat in our pants and thought that the, the the midday news was the breakfast program and all of that kind of stuff because humans aren't very good at this kind of thing left to their own devices i think um i mean you'll probably turn around to me and say you're one of the vast overachievers that's, that's made real good use of the time but i think most people haven't and mick has actually been really busy with his with his uh, recording work because one thing that people have 
been able to do during lockdown is pick up their guitars and and that kind of stuff. And and also it's one of those things that um, when it comes to what Mick does, you people can send him files and he can work on them and send them back. And you know it can be done in this kind of distanced way if it needs to be. Um, so Mick's actually been really busy with um, with completely normal things. Um, but that's kind of the the paradox, the the weird thing that just proves how weird this all is. The fact that the weird thing he ends up doing is the thing that he did every day anyway. You know, that's that's just testament to everything that's been turned on its head, I think. Indeed. Congratulations are in order. And uh, we'll call you Dr. Vitriol from now on, if you like, or perhaps not. And uh, I, I certainly would welcome to see any of your published work on, on any topic based on just you know, the art you make. I'm sure any... Uh, scholarly thing you would publish would be fascinating and uh once again as always this is the second time we've chatted i'm always thankful and honored to chat with you and hear about your process and share a little bit of that insight with my listeners and readers thank you so much no problem thank you it's been fun cheers this has been another episode of the ghost Cult magazine podcast check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at ghost Cult Mag. until the next time peace